1 John for me this morning. Uh, this is one of those days when I thought, well, this message is going to be short. Don't, I'm not so sure. <laughs> you know, once you get, <coughs> once you get started, you just, uh, I just said, Lord, this, this is going, I, I mean, <coughs> one thing led to another and this led to that, you know, and, and you could just go on and on, uh, <coughs> excuse me, tying things together and boy, well, anyway, I'm going to do my best there. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, John's letter, uh, he's, of course, writing to believers. And you might remember that the introduction to this letter is, uh, I mean, it ties right back in with John's gospel in chapter 1. And he says there, uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now that's just an amazing statement all in itself because John is emphasizing the fact that they were, they experienced Jesus in the flesh, touched him, saw him with their own eyes, uh, they heard him with their own ears and so on, and touched him with their hands. And he says there in verse 2, the life was made manifest, or it was made known, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life. That is, the life that God promised in the age to come. What we, other places you find it, like in Revelation, millennial life. Uh, if you emphasize the coming of the Messiah, you could call it messianic life. It's what will be experienced when this age comes to an end and the next one begins. But John here is telling us we need to be ready for it. We need to be prepared. It's not an automatic done deal. And uh, he goes on to tell us there Concerning this eternal life, he said, which was with the Father and was made known to us, or manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And you notice the word fellowship, so just take a little note of that. Um, he says, uh, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things that our joy may be complete. So we have what John wants us to know here concerning our relationship to the Lord Jesus, this message which he says we proclaim so that our joy may be complete. Now, Verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you. Wait, what is that? Well, it's the third time he said we proclaim to you this message. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice 
the truth. Now you saw the word fellowship again. It's the last time this word is used in this letter. And there's a reason for that. But I want to emphasize this idea as John sets it forth here is that it's possible for a Christian to walk in darkness. And it requires something on our part to walk in the light rather than in the darkness. And he, he says if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We're not doing the truth. But then again, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So you see the foundational truth for fellowship is having being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And if you are, then you're in fellowship with him. And how do you get there? Well, he says, if we, if we uh, say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, but, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So the, and, and then, of course, in, in chapter 2, the first two verses, it talks about... Uh, well, first of all, he says, my little children, uh, that's, that's a term of intimacy that we're going to, hopefully we'll get there and see it again. Uh, my little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. So we're still on this theme of dealing with sin so that we might maintain and be in fellowship with the Lord. He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, and this ends the little section here where John is dealing with the matter of sin and how we deal with it in our life. And that's just simply to confess it. If you want to maintain fellowship, if you want to be walking in the light, then it, it, it demands that we confess sin. So the point being is very simple. You cannot walk with the Lord and be walking in sin all at the same time. It just doesn't work. Now, having said that, we get to the place where we're really wanting to go. And so in verse 3, he says, And by this we know, that we have come to know him. And this is what I want us to see here is that beyond the matter of fellowship, there's the matter of knowing him. It's a, it's a I don't necessarily want to call it a deeper life, but it is another step in our Christian walk that many people never enter into. So I want you to hear that very clearly. Because what happens is, as long as they're confessing sin and they're walking in the light, they feel like they're okay. And in a certain sense, you are. But John's telling us there's more to this 
it's knowing him and so if you continue on he says by this we know that we have come to know him and notice this if we keep his commandments so there's another step involved beyond fellowship it's keeping his commandments it's knowing him on a personal and intimate level and he says in the next verse four there notice what he says there whoever says i know him but notice down in verse um, six whoever says he abides in him you notice i hope you notice the contrast i hope you notice the turn that john is making here from the matter of fellowship and confess sins and walking in the light as opposed to abiding in Christ and knowing him and to say I know him he says but does not keep his commandments so we see here the foundation for knowing Christ is obedience to his commandments what we read in the first uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 the foundation there was confessing of sin an appeal to the blood of jesus christ to cleanse us now it's keeping his commandments and he says if you don't keep them you're a liar and the truth is not in it but on the other hand whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of god is perfected the love of God that's the one thing that John zeroes in on is this love of God and it's in him that it's perfected in us by this he says we may know that we are in him whoever says he abides in him that's how we can know and, it might, and how you know is the, the fact that you've been keeping his commandments. Now, um, if you turn back to um, John's Gospel, and uh, I'm not following my notes again, so this is where I get in trouble. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, John 17. Is that the one? Okay, I think that's it. John 17. Of course, we know this is the high priestly prayer of, of Jesus before his crucifixion. Verse 1 says, When Jesus had, Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Okay, to give eternal life, but notice the statement in verse three. And this is eternal life, that they may know you. Now, if you have the ESV, they left out the word may. But if you look at the tense of the word, well, if you look up the uh, 
that's not one to say, you're not, can't. Um, well, anyway, it's, it's a subjunctive. And a subjunctive means it's conditional. It means it falls back on you and I concerning this matter of eternal life or life in, in the coming age. So he says, and this is life for the coming age, that they may know you, the only true God. Know you. You know, in this prayer, Jesus is uh, on a far deeper level than he ever has been with his disciples. And as he prays to the Father for his disciples and us, I'm convinced, He's talking about this matter of knowing Christ, knowing the Lord, knowing God. And it requires something. You, you'll, you know, it, 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 when he says it, it, that you may know him, if you look back at 1 John now, and you see that this requirement is keeping his commandments, then you get the idea of what it is that we are to do in order to know him. And that's obey his commandments. So all, what John is appealing to and what I'm appealing to on another level is simply this, that if we want to be known as a people of God, then it demands that we are willing to go beyond this whole matter of just confessing our sins. Now, I, I can tell you, I've been through that. When I was much younger, every day, that was all that concerned me. Father, forgive me my sins. You know, that was your, the key to the whole prayer. And up and off you go to work or whatever, and that was the end of it. But John has to tell us here that there's more beyond that. And you, we, need to, we need to get over the hump, as it were. And if you desire, if you desire this life for the coming age that he's speaking of, then it, and he insists that we pursue the obedience to his commandments. Now, I lost my spot here, and I the verse I wanted to appeal to and I thought you know I thought I wrote it down okay um, da, 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 I don't see it um, if it comes to me I'll we'll turn there I know what it is it, uh, it's the reference uh, if they, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Where's that at? See, you don't know the Bible any better than I do. <laughs> I had it. I, I didn't. I thought I wrote it down, but I don't see it here anywhere. So, uh, but but the gist of, of it is now we got to find it. Somebody's got to look that up.
I knew there was a 35 in there. I just was, couldn't tell you where. John 13, 35, that's the one I wanted. Okay, thank you, Donald. Okay, so John's Gospel, chapter 13, and verse 35. Well, we begin with verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children. Notice again this appeal of an intimate term that Jesus had with his disciples. Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But watch this. A new commandment. A new commandment Jesus gave to his disciples that you love one another. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I really would be bold enough to say that if you are merely living a life that focuses only on fellowship and making sure your sins are confessed every day, then it's, you know, you, you, you can't get you can't have the kind of love that Jesus is talking about on that level. You need to pursue the idea of keeping his commandments. And he tells us here in 1 John, you know, it is, um, the key here is if we keep his commandments. And Jesus just told them here in John 17, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. So he was appealing to his own disciples to go a step farther in their relationship with one another. Really made me stop and ponder, you know, once that Jesus had died uh, on the cross and once he had been resurrected from the grave and you see this gathering of these 12 disciples, uh, well, 11 at this point in time, what it must have been like to have seen them demonstrate their love to one another. How was that manifested? I can tell you, for me, it was a bowl of soup. Did I, well, two bowls of soup, actually. Two of them. One Miss Shelley brought over. I loved it so much, I had it for breakfast twice. And then Jeremy, fixed us some fish soup. I know when you first thought about fish soup, you went, uh, <laughs> I know. But I want to tell you something. I can hardly wait to get home and have another bowl. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, Nelson came by the other day, yesterday, and uh, I said, Nelson, you got to have a bowl of this fish soup. And 
course, I knew he would look like fish no matter what. And uh, so we were downstairs and he went up and had a bowl of soup and he came back down and, and uh, asked Jeremy, he said, where did you learn to cook Caribbean? Because that, that, if you could cook Caribbean, boy, you was on the, you're on his A-list, that's for sure. And I'll tell you what, it was absolutely delicious. That's love. Poured out in manifest acts toward others. So John's telling us that very thing. That's how you, what abiding in him means. It's what it's all about. Question is, is are we abiding in him? Have we actually moved in our our spiritual experience or our Christian experience to that place where I want to know the Lord. I'm just not satisfied with my Christian life. And I'll tell you right now, I struggled with that for many years. Didn't know how to get there. I, I used to tell people all the time, I felt like I had this little black cloud about right in there. And I knew that on the other side of that, there was a much greater and deeper Christian experience than what I was experiencing. And so I, you know, time and time again, I prayed to the Lord, you know, to show me. And finally, one day he did. And the scriptures just began to open up like this. And it was the most incredible thing to experience that. And don't think that your Christian walk comes to an end there. It took, there was a lot of hard work then. Studying God's word, trying to find out what these things were all about. But as I read them, all of a sudden, ah, so that's what he meant over there. You know, you have all these aha moments. And you know that it's God doing it. That it's his work in you. And it took years for that to happen. It was not overnight. It takes a long time of walking with the Lord before he will manifest himself to you and open his word to you. Um, when we were in Nashville, <laughs> several comments were made about Janet and I. You know, they would say they're a really sweet couple, blah, blah. And then one of them said they're a cute couple. <laughs> you know what that means? That means you're really young or you're really old. You know, one or the other. You don't get those kind of compliments in between. You know. But, and, and it's hard for me to say this and maintain, I guess, well, maybe that meekness comes in here. I don't know. But I, I told Janet and a couple others that, you know, because these things were said more than once, and we had this little experience where we couldn't get the pump working right. It just would not go. And Mother was, um, she, she wasn't just out on the edge of her seat. She was about right in there <laughs> trying to get this thing fixed. And so she called this guy from uh, 
12 stone, which they're the ones in charge of this. And that, she, he tried to walk us through it time and time again, and it just did the same thing over and over. So finally he said, well, they're located in Murfreesboro. So he said, why don't you meet me at such and such exit on the way home? He brought a brand new pump, brand new, put that on, still didn't work. So finally he, uh, he said, well, I, okay, the only thing left I know to do is just take this thing home, take this bag off and throw it away and put a new one on and just start all over. Well, we did that and it worked just fine. And it's been working fine ever since. And I, what was wrong with that one, I, I don't know. But I, I said all that to say in meeting him uh, at that exit, you realized, you know, here was a guy who was very humble and very patient and sent a text to Janet, actually, that was one of the nicest things that you would ever want to hear somebody say. Uh, just, you know, and, and I told Janet, I said, all of this, can, you know, you realize at a point in time like this, there ain't no flesh involved in this. It's all the Holy Spirit of God. And it, and it was so, at the, that point in time, it was so easy to see that this was God doing this work through us. And these folks, now I'm talking about several nurses we had that, that saw this. And of course, that, the more you saw it, the more they saw it, the more it made me see that this had nothing to do with me, nothing to do with Janet. It was all God's Holy Spirit doing that work. And that, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at here with what John is trying to appeal to us to, is that it's a long, hard walk, but it will manifest itself in ways that you never dreamed could ever happen in, in your Christian life. And I thank God that I've been able to experience that. So, if you go back to John's letter here, 1 John and verse 7, as he moves on, he begins to tell us about this matter of keeping his commandments. Now, he says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment. Nothing new going on here in John's telling us. But an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, you could take that in a number of ways. I see that as um, the, the true light as the, the coming manifestation of Christ in his kingdom when he returns and the light is already beginning to shine and we're already beginning to pass out of darkness into this shining light and the more you walk with the Lord the more you see these things the more you experience these things because that's really the key is knowing God by experience 
It is not knowing God just by confessing sin. That's the point that John is trying to get across to us. There's more to the Christian walk. And so he says, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Wow, what a transition to move to this idea of hating your brother. It says he, whoever loves his brother, though, abides in the light. But whoever hates his brother is still in darkness. I hope you see the difference here that you can be in fellowship with God. You can have your sins confessed. And yet, if you're hating your brother, you're still walking in darkness. You're not walking in the light. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him, there is no cause for stumbling. What, what brought that on? John, no cause for stumbling. Well, I think that John is telling us that we need to be looking forward here to what's to come, to this eternal life, this coming life in the coming age, in the millennial age, what is to come and being prepared for it, being ready. But you come to the, uh, turn about this three or four pages over to the right in your Bible to uh, the book of Jude. And Jude, I mean, he just writes one of these blistering letters uh, concerning those who are still walking in darkness to those who are walking in disobedience. But in verse 24, he ends this on a, on a great, great note concerning those who are willing to pursue the love of God. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He is able to keep us from stumbling on the way. John over here says the same thing. In him, there is no cause for stumbling. If, if you know, you can stumble day after day, time after time, when you're appealing to forgiveness on the basis of sins and trying to maintain fellowship with Christ. That's one thing. But if we're walking in the light and abiding in the light, abiding in it, then he says there's no cause for stumbling. And we can appear at Christ's judgment seat with no fear. We don't have to come shaking and trembling and wondering, oh, what's What's the Lord going to say about me? I know I haven't done this, Lord. I know I haven't been. Well, well, when are you going to change? When are you going to make that decision? Do what you know is right.
mean, there does come a time in your in your life. You better you know you better be willing and ready to decide one way or the other what kind of path you're going to take. And if you're going to pursue this path that John is speaking of here concerning abiding in Christ, then it demands that you keep his commandments. And John told his disciples, or Jesus told his disciples, if you love me, if you keep my commandment, this no new commandment, a new commandment I write unto you, he said that you love one another. And whoever hates his brother is still in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You know, all I can say is, is what a, a joy and a thrill that has been for me to experience the love of Christ right here in this fellowship. And I, you know, I've, I've talked about this many, many times before. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about all these churches that all they do is have problems and somebody's not happy. And they, you know, you gotta go do this to appeal to that person, whatever. And you know, in 13 years here, that's never happened. That's incredible to me. I feel like the most privileged guy you can imagine to have been a part of this fellowship. And I want you to know that. I don't know if I'll get to preach again. It's a, it's a day by day thing. I told Ken, you better, you better have your guns loaded because uh, I may call it Sunday morning and say, hey, I just can't do it. And he did. First thing this morning, he sent me a text. Are you going to speak? <laughs> and uh, thank the Lord, I, when I woke up, I, I was feeling really good. And uh, the only thing right now is I'm sleepy. I just, I want to go lay down on that pew right now and just conk out. Uh, but the Lord's been very, very good to me. And I want you all to know that. All right, let's pray. Father, we are so excited, so thrilled to know that uh, there is something that awaits those who are willing to pursue you and to know you. And Lord, that, that whole matter just uh, excites our hearts and makes you want to know by personal experience your presence with us and to feel that love that you have gave to your own disciples and, and showed to them. And I thank you that we've been able to experience that in many, many ways right here in this fellowship. Thank you for being so faithful to us, Father, and to know that if we, we come to you, as James said, then you will, you will come to us. But the action starts on our part to pursue you and I, I pray that we would do that with diligence knowing that the, the day in which we live uh, is, is a precarious day and we look for your coming 
any moment now. In Jesus' name, amen.